0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: You're listening to the Beamsy and Britt Podcast.
0: She hits hard. She'll get the six. Grace Harris sets a new mark in the WBBL with a 42
2: ball punt. There's a run out of the bowers end. Unbelievable. Bold. Sarah Coitz has got the wicket and it's all high fives for the players in the green and gold. Beamsy and Brit, who
0: are they? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beamsy and Brit, the ABC's maiden cricket podcast. My name is Brittany Carter. I'm a sports journalist here at the ABC. And joining me is my Beamsy and Brit partner in crime, former Australian leg spinner, Kristen Beams. Beamsy, I think you're in Brisbane at the moment, doing some important work with the Women's Pathways. Can you tell us where you are and what's kept you preoccupied over the past weekend?
1: Hey, Britt. Well, it's hot here in Brisbane. There is no doubt about that, Um, being a a local Tasmanian. It's been a pretty warm few days, but I am fortunate enough to be here as part of my role with Cricket Australia for the um, National Under-19 Female Cricket Championships, which is a really exciting time of the year and, and probably even more exciting because we have a World Cup coming up in 2025 in Malaysia. So I have the opportunity to be up here watching some cricket and, uh, and hopefully setting up some really cool things for for our best under 19 players across the next 12 months.
0: The championships began over the weekend and there are a few names people will be familiar with that are in action, such as Kate Pelly, who's from New South Wales. Who's looked like the front runner so far? Is there anyone that looks like they're the team to beat?
1: Yeah, well, it's been a really even competition. So it actually feels really difficult to predict. So We've basically had the first of the round game. So we've we've sort of moved into the crossover stage now. So there's still three full days of cricket. So the T20 components are, are done. So we're into 50 over cricket at the moment. But it's such an exciting time for under 19 players because we've actually seen quite a few of them in recent times. And some of those names that you're talking about actually make their WNCL and WBBL debuts. And there's a there's a really nice long history there where some of these players have actually gone through. I remember seeing Phoebe Litchfield playing under-19 cricket and it feels like within kind of two years she's playing for Australia. So there's probably never been a, a better time to, to be an under-19 female cricketer with so much ahead of them. Some really strong teams out there. We know New South Wales had a great history as well. So it's sort of New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia was have sort of and Victoria all been in and around the the finals. So it feels very even to me. I'm not going to make any bold predictions.
0: Fair enough. Uh, and just a quick reflection on the women's national cricket league and where we stand. So we saw the Tasmanian Tigers come up against the South Australian Scorpions over the weekend, and Tasmania won both of those matches. So you'll be very pleased with that. I did see Molly Strano picked up a. Player of the match honour as well.
1: Yeah it really was I think when you're particularly the second game for Tasmania I think that was six for 79 at at one point and then managed to chase down sort of 220 and I think we're starting to now see sort of Tassie go from that nearly good to great team I think to find a way to win I think Amy Smith who is here at the Under-19 Championship so she arrived a bit late after to playing those games as well had an an incredible partnership with Amolistrano who made 50 as well and I think everyone's known that someone like Molly Strano can can bat, but I think it was nice to to see them get over the line in that kind of performance. So it's pretty special stuff when you can find a, a way to win when you're six wickets down and Vellani, Lee, all of these players are, are in the shed. So I think they'd be very pleased with the style of cricket that they're playing at the moment.
0: Something we spoke about on last week's podcast was that it was really hard to determine where the WNCL was at because some teams had played more games than others. But with those results, Tasmania has now leapfrogged the Scorpions into second place. So they're in the running for the title with the Queensland Fire. And, of course, it's still quite tight at the top, but I think that's a really good sign for Tasmania knowing that they were able to knock the Scorpions over not once but twice and the other results, of course, the Queensland Fire, who are the leaders, they beat the ACT Medias in last place twice. So I think we kind of predicted that result um, and the ACT Medias are really having a tough year at the moment, but Queensland just seemed to be flying.
1: Yeah, Queensland have got a group and probably similar to Tasmania and South Australia, they've been really consistent. Um, so they've, they've had a group of players come through together and I think Teams that are able to do that, we see really consistent performance. So uh, probably no surprises there. And I think for the AC, ACT Meteors, like they've got a really young group with not much experience. So I think it'll be just being really patient with that group as as they come through. But I, I like the thinking of kind of going nice and young and and trying to do exactly what we're talking about with these. You know, Tassie, SA and Queensland, they're trying to replicate the same thing. So um, I think that they'll probably be disappointed. They'd love to have some wins on the board, but I, I think they're pretty clear in their direction. But, you know, Queensland are a, a fantastic team. I, I think they've got a really good mix of senior players with the the likes of Jonathan and Laura Harris and Grace Harris, Georgia Redmayne. But they've also got these young generation that actually feel like senior players like Charlie Knott nearly feels like a senior player and Georgia Vole because they've been around for a long time. So it's it's pretty exciting for them that these players are kind of all coming through and and performing as well. So it's going to give them sustained success, which is is what every team is after. You don't want to have a good year and then come back out the other side. So there's a lot to like about Queensland.
0: There is a lot to like about Queensland and the hard task, of course, coming up for the next stage of the WNCL after Christmas and the holiday period will be trying to maintain their spots on the ladder with some of those Aussie stars missing in various multi-format series. But that brings us to our next big talking point, which is the main reason we're here today recording. Australia are set to face India in a test in India First time in a long time, really, for the start of a multi-format series. But important context, of course, is the latest match that we saw between England and India. They also played a test that went very favorably in India's way. What was interesting was they played three T20s in the lead up to this. They skipped the ODI format completely and then just went straight to a test match. Um, And I think that's pretty cool knowing that the ECB does seem to hold that format in pretty high priority. They always seem to be able to make room in the women's calendar for their team to play test matches. But yeah, it was interesting knowing that England won the T20 component 2-1 and then came into this match. They were absolutely smashed by the hosts by 347 runs. This was the first women's test hosted by India since 2014. It was the first test in India for England since 2005 and the first for India after the retirements of Mitali Raj and Julan Goswami. So that really puts it in context for people to know how little these women get the opportunity to play this format. That winning margin of 347 runs is the largest victory ever recorded in a women's test by runs. And it was India's first test win in nine years. So it's a significant result. Deep Sharma was named player of the match for her nine wickets and 87 runs recorded across the course of the test. And the Indian team would have been very proud of their first innings in particular after they won the toss, elected to bat, and then put on a massive 428 run total to start the game on a very solid note with four players reaching the 60s in that first innings. I think if you're Harmon core leading this side, Beamsy, and your team is able to put on such an impressive performance in that first innings, you're thinking, okay, I know there's a lot of work still to go here. There's still some runs that need to be put on the board, some wickets that need to be taken, but we're in a fantastic position. They would have been very positive-minded after that.
1: Yeah, I think that India would have been so happy with the start that they got because I think you're you're wanting to do it all up front. I think particularly when you go and play in India, you know that the conditions are probably going to be a little bit more favourable. You're going to be a little take a little bit of turn and and the like. So I think being able to get your runs up front just allows you to kind of move through the the rest of the game knowing that spin is is probably going to be a factor. And it's a tough ask to go to India and play a Test match. There's no doubt. About that, but I, I'm just not sure that anyone would have predicted that England would have been so far away. And um, I say that because we were talking about in the in the through the T20 series, and I said, "Well, look, I think India are the, probably the the better side on on kind of paper when you look at it." But we then saw a a two one T20. Um, so I, yeah, I'm interested now that we've got through the the test and it was so comprehensive what does that mean from a, you know an ODI perspective or you know what what would it mean if we had then had some additional games because it's so hard when you're comparing white ball cricket and then red ball cricket as well so i don't know it would be incredible to have some more cricket at the back end to just kind mm. of sit sit and i think that's why i love the multi format series so much because i think you can actually get a really clear picture on who is the better team across all three. Whereas I feel like we've been left with some, we've got more questions than answers.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, knowing that if we had three more ODIs to come between those two teams, we would have a more complete thought on how it all played out. But without those three ODIs, it's really hard to judge going from the shortest format of the game to the longest format of the game and not knowing kind of what England lost in the middle of that. So, We know that England played a really competitive test against Australia in the women's Ashes just this year, and that went down to the final day of play. Certainly England would not be happy with what's going on, so they could only manage 136 runs in reply to India's 428 total, and the top order struggled big time. Natsiva Brant almost made it to the 60s before she was bowled for 59, but the side suffered a massive batting collapse And I would argue India were less impressive in their second innings, but it didn't matter because they were so far ahead of the contest by that point that they could declare at six for 186 and still dictate the match with the ball from there. Somehow England were even poorer in the second innings, all out for 131. So again, it's really hard to get, I guess, a complete view on this tour for them. I wonder if maybe the Australian multi-format tour had been set before England tried to get some games in because it kind of feels a bit rushed here yeah I I don't really know how that all came to be but I think England will be licking their wounds and really disappointed with how they performed in the test at least
1: yeah I think so because everyone wants to play test cricket right and so everyone wants everyone wants to be producing really good games of of test cricket as well I think that's how we're going to see test cricket survive in the the women's game so it would have been an incredible thing to to know you're going to India and you're going to play a Test match. Um, certainly, every spinner for sure would be like, "This is amazing! What a great experience to go and play on on those types of wickets." It's so different to playing a Test match in Australia um, for the England team. So it it would be like, "Wow, this is a really cool experience." But actually, the the performance probably has has them walking away from that, going, ah, "We we probably missed the mark there a little bit and." You know, it'll open up all sorts of questions around: Are we playing enough Test cricket? So, are we preparing our players well enough? Um, there'll be questions around: Do you do you look at completely different teams? Like, you know, do you have a Test team and an ODI team and a T Twenty team? Like, I think all of those questions people will be starting to go: What what about all of those sorts of things? But I think that England will be just most disappointed that they were completely outplayed by. India in that format and as I said you would expect India to be the stronger team on home conditions but there's a difference between being the strongest team and losing by that margin I think England are a much better team than to lose by over 300 runs in a test match
0: what they did really well in the latest women's ashes is they really had more batting depth to show for all the work they've put in particularly into the youngsters that have come into the team and really cemented their positions. And that was the biggest difference I noticed from this women's Ashes just gone to the previous one is the depth in their batting order and the ability to hold on and build those partnerships that they haven't been able to do in the past. So to see them here kind of go back to that, it it does raise big questions about what they're doing certainly in that test format. But the Aussies will be thanking England for playing India right before it's their turn because I'm sure they'll have been given a really great insight into what's to come and what to expect. It will be, I think, played at a different stadium but still in the same kind of area of India. So the conditions seem to largely favour spin. Sophie Eccleston, Charlie Dean and Deepti Sharma are all spinners and they did the most damage throughout the match. Is there any key bits of information other than that that you think the Aussies can take from what happened to England?
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably look at the way that India went about building their their total from a batting point of view and, and probably look at what those scoring areas were and how they they went about it. I think that's that's really important, I think, when you when you go to somewhere like India, if the wickets are a little bit slower and they're gonna take turn. How, how was that sort of counted i think every batting team wants to to come and and actually have a bit of a look at that but i think it's i think the the spin part will be really really important um so they'll be looking at you know what were the key moments you know what what's more advantage in winning the toss do you want to bat you know what what it's going to look like um you know did the the wicket change much it only went for 3 days so we didn't sort of see what it would have got to for a fourth day as well so um, they'll be trying to pick up all of those little things and, and probably looking at the the dismissals as well of the Indian batters. How were they out if it was spin? You know, will we see Australia play an extra spinner? Um, they have so much flexibility because of the the all-rounders in their team is that they could actually go in with another spinner if they think that it's actually going to take some turn.
0: And what about the tactics from India when it came to this test match? Because they clearly played a very aggressive brand of cricket with the bat, but then also declaring when they could have just kept batting. To be honest, knowing there was another day to go, I think that you know we we have to be wary of that. That Harmanpreet Corps seems to have a pretty good hold on this Test format at the moment, despite not getting many opportunities to play it herself.
1: Yeah, I actually thought it was great that they declared when they did. I think um, that aggressive kind of mindset. You know, you still got there was plenty of time left in that game um but i think you want to see that and and i think that that she was rewarded for that as well so again when we talk about there hasn't been many tests as well there hasn't been many opportunities for captains to captain test matches as well so um you know you'd like to see really good attacking captaincy as well but you know they'd be going into it going like how amazing like you actually get to captain in a in a test match and yeah, she, I think she didn't really put a foot roll. Off.
0: So while we're on the topic of Harman Kaur, I do want to bring up something that did happen in the test that I guess wasn't a great highlight for her. Most of this went India's way, but this moment didn't. So I think we need to talk about it. Now, when the Aussies met India in the T20 World Cup semi-final in February this year, it was a very tight match played out at Newlands. Australia won by just five runs. But one of the biggest talking points of that game was that Harmanpreet Kaur was run out for 52 with five overs left and the team still needed another 40 runs. She was their last batting option. This was the moment that changed the course of the game and really swung momentum into Australia's favour. Now, if you forget how this run out happened, here's a little refresher. Harmanpreet Kaur struck the ball. It headed out to the deep Ash Gardner retrieved it, diving on the ground, then turned and threw it to the keeper. Cor was very casually running a second, clearly thought she was going to make the ground easy. And then as she went to ground her bat, as the ball came in, her bat got stuck in the turf of the pitch and it halted her just enough for Elisa Healy to whip the bails off. Healy sent it up for review because the umpires weren't convinced at this point and it was discovered that, yes, she had got her bat stuck, she was way out, and Kaur threw her bat in anger when she found out that she had been dismissed, which caused a bit of a controversy as she headed off the field. Fast forward to this weekend gone, India hosting England, Harman Kaur is on 49 looking for a quick single that would have helped her bring up her maiden test half century. But there was never a run on offer as she just pushed it into the covers on the offside. Her teammate at the other end sent her back and Danny Wyatt raced in to pick the ball up, threw it at the stumps for a direct hit and Cor, trying to make her ground, again got her bat stuck in front of the crease and she was run out. So footage of both of these dismissals have done the rounds. And I think as the captain of such a successful side in this moment, you'd be unhappy a little bit about, you know, one of the defining moments of the test being your run out. But I think it's an interesting point knowing that this has happened twice to her now in a big match. So does she need to look at her running technique and the way she grounds the bat beamsy?
1: Well, I've got little to no sympathy for Humphrey Corps on this because she's the most casual runner between wickets that I've seen. So many times she just jogs in. She's not somebody who takes off quickly and, you know, pushes for twos and, and all that sort of stuff. So to me, if you're, if you're jogging in casually and your back gets stuck, like I don't really have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, I think if she was full-length diving or sprinting in and her back got caught, I think I'd be a bit like, well, that's really unlucky and that's happened a a few times. But it's probably something that she's got to look at. You know, is she too upright and therefore digging into the wicket and, you know, could she actually get changed technically what that is? But I I think it's such a non-issue if you're actually pushing hard between the wickets. You're never actually going to get run out in, in those situations.
0: Yeah. I think you're going to side with Elisa Healy in my next talking point. But just before we get there, Court was also on 44 in this second innings when she declared. And it was the right call because India clearly won the match by a landslide. But I think we'll be watching very keenly in this match to come against Australia to see whether she can finally reach that 50 mark in test because she's been close a number of times. Now, what I want to get to next is something Elisa Healy brought to the discussion after that T20 semi-final in South Africa. I'm interested in this new dynamic and relationship between the captains of these side. As we know, Elisa Healy, the 20th woman to captain Australia now, officially in that permanent role now that Meg Gladding has retired from international cricket. And Healy and Cor have had some moments over the years that I think have, you know, sparked a bit of media interest. So a refresher of how we got here, the Aussies run out four in that World Cup semi, and the Indian captain told the media in the post-match presser, I can't feel unluckier than this. It was definitely a disappointment because the way I was batting, maybe that was the only chance I could get out. Otherwise, the way I was hitting the ball, I was taking this innings until the end. Then Elisa Healy went on ABC Offsiders and said, Harman Preet can say all she likes that it was so unlucky, but at the end of the day, she cruised back and probably could have been past the crease an extra two metres if she genuinely put in the effort. So we'll take it. You could say you're unlucky all your life, but it's generally about effort and energy And at that moment in time, I know that something we speak about in the field in particular is putting in that effort and putting in that energy. That comes back to running between wickets as well. It's doing those little basics better than the opposition, and that's how you win big tournaments. And I feel like we've been doing that quite well. This led to a little bit of backlash from Indian fans, knowing that Elisa Healy was just about to head to the WPL and captain the Warriors in the inaugural tournament there. You know, I think I can hear clearly that you're siding with Elisa Healy on this one, that the running between the wickets is far too casual from core. Yeah, I just think
1: it's, you know, you're in a World Cup semi-final. I think you don't want to leave anything to chance and, you know, to the the if you're going to conserve a little bit of energy by jogging through, like I, I just don't think you want to take any chances. I think you just want to leave no stone unturned when you're representing your your country. So... Yeah, I th- it is. Is it unlucky that your back gets stuck in the ground? Absolutely, it's unlucky. But if it's avoidable, then I would just avoid it. I, I think it's kind of as as simple as that because it is those moments that you look back on. Every team talks about key moments in games, and if you think about that semi final, that was a key moment, but it didn't really have to be. It could have been. You know, probably as Midge said, like you run through and she's in, and it hits the stumps and doesn't need to go upstairs. And India maybe win the game. Like so, yeah, I, I just think it's it's you get more sympathy. I think if you, you're actually diving in, mm. going belt, then I feel like I'm I'm all for. Sometimes people don't have the luck in cricket.
0: I think what it lacks there is a little bit of accountability from Hammer precore and maybe that's where an Aussie perspective comes to it. But Kaur has also drawn media attention in July. She is a fire character, we know that. But as captain, the spotlight is on her a little bit more than maybe before and the leadership qualities she shows. So in July during a series against Bangladesh, she was slapped with a two-match ban and fined 75% of her match fee after she, one, smashed her stumps with her bat when she was given out and, two, called the umpiring pathetic in the post-match presentation before sarcastically asking the umpires to come up and join the teams during the trophy ceremony because they played a key part in the match. This then led to the Bangladesh team opting out of a photo with the Indian side. And I caught up with Elisa Healy in September before she knew she was going to become the permanent and official captain of the Australian women's team, Uh, asked her thoughts on it given that she has obviously been outspoken on some of Kaur's actions in the past, and this is what she had to say. You came out after that semi-final in the World Cup and you were quite honest when someone asked you about Harmanpreet (laughs) 4 and she said um, a bit unlucky or whatever and I think you were quite honest with that but then almost going to India I I read an article where you sort of said like I'm not a villain here, I'm coming here to support you guys so did it feel like in a way like India sort of weren't embracing you or something because you've made those comments
2: no it wasn't that i think um one of the biggest things for me going to the the wipl was for them to get to know me a little bit more i mean some of our biggest clashes over the last few years have been against india and i feel like i'm a big part of that because i'm behind the stumps and i'm sort of chirping away and trying to get our team over the line and um i feel like it could be seen as i am a bit of a villain and um but once you get to know me i'm actually all right whether i say so myself um and that was a big, a key driver for me to go over there and, and show the, the Indian players who I really am and, and what, I can, what I can bring to, to Indian cricket. Um, so, yeah, I didn't feel um, neglected or anything like that at any point. Um, I think the, the fans really embraced everybody that came over, across and played, and I felt, I felt the love across India, which was nice.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. Because Harman Preet Kaur was obviously in the headlines recently for a bit of a melt time that she mm-hmm. had against Bangladesh. And... Some of those players I think you you got to take the good with the bad but when you're the captain I feel like you you probably need to be a bit more composed
2: yeah I think um, I obviously wasn't there and I and I've only seen a very small snippet of what actually happened, so there's obviously more more at play um, but yeah I think as, as captain you've probably got to be more aware of um, the role you play not just tactically with the group but potentially you know what what message you're sending to not just your players but right around the world so um but we'll, we'll wait and see um what what the fallout from that is she's obviously coming across to the WBBL and in my mind some of the Cricket Australia rules around that sort of behavior are one of the strictest in the world so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how she goes I don't think she's ever had really too many problems over here before so I think she'll be fine
0: so that's Elisa Healy talking with us in September this year about hum and Corps. um I don't think Elisa Healy is the type of person to ever not say what she's thinking on an issue. She's quite outspoken and we love her for it, Beansy. Are you expecting any fire to come between these two in the series? And, I mean, we have seen them come up against each other before when Meg Lanning was absent um, and Elisa Healy was acting as an interim captain, but this time it's the real deal for both of them.
1: Yeah, I think two incredibly competitive people. So I think if there's any storylines or things that happen within the game, yeah, I think that that that's a a possibility. But I just think you've got two really competitive captains um, going head-to-head. And I think, yeah, it's been really interesting with some of the the stuff with Harman Precourt and, the you know, I think it's – I'm, I'm somebody who's sort of like you, you try to get as close to the line as you can but you can't get over it so I think I like the emotion and the passion and all of those sorts of things but you can only get to the line you can't kind of go over it so I think she's probably in recent times had a couple of instances where she's gone over the line um you know we, we've probably all had an opinion on some umpiring at different points and and a few things like that but I think you still have to kind of hold it back just a, just a touch. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it makes for a really um, entertaining kind of series, I think. Australia going to India, home soil, two competitive captains, two competitive teams, like I don't know what the storylines are going to be, but it's actually really exciting to see what might kind of unfold.
0: I'm really interested to hear what these two captains have to say as the course of this multi-format series plays out because I think in the past we have had captains in many of the national teams, like a Heather Nye, who's still practising as captain, I suppose, um, that do tend to play that kind of Switzerland role where they'll come to it very measured. Pat Cummins is like this too, and you don't get much out of them in terms of controversy or a hard-hitting opinion because they know that they're there not to give you anything and just to kind of play the balanced line. But now we have Ahamaprit Kaur in place, who is very fiery as a captain for India. We have Alisa Healy, who I'm not going to call her fiery, but she's passionate and she's outspoken. And although she brings very measured opinions to her analysis of cricket in general, she won't be afraid to say what she thinks. So we have two captains here that are you know, known for saying what's on their minds. And I'm really keen to kind of see what that means for these teams heading into the future knowing they will come up against each other many times in really big critical matches.
1: Yeah, I think they'll try and let their cricket do the talking, I think both of them, and I think they both have the capacity to win a game off their own bat. So I think that's probably where I see that they'll kind of it starts with um with that is is trying to do that as much as you can and and that's always the challenge around, you know, you 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 might have an opinion on something, but you actually just want to perform, and and performance kind of is is key, and then everything else kind of flows after that. And I think it's a really tricky thing because I think we're for all of us that are fans, it's like we want them to, we want our players to to say what's on their mind and do all that sort of stuff. But if you do that and then say you don't perform, then you're going to have all of this media attention as well. So I think it's um it's a really hard thing for for players now. I I feel like when when I was playing, there wasn't as much media attention. Is that you could kind of have a bad day and people weren't talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you say the wrong thing in the media, or you know, Harmon and because incident might not have ever been caught on, you know, camera if if it was in a different time. So we maybe wouldn't be talking about all of those sorts of things as well. So it's just a it's just a different time in the game, and so I kind of feel like you just wanted people to be their authentic self, and then. And then hopefully they're not going to kind of get slammed for it later on if they don't perform or things go a different way.
0: And I think we have to encourage these personalities in the women's game because for so long in the context of women's sport, we've been expected to uphold these gender norms of being the nice guy, being grateful, playing a very sportsman-like role in the game. And I think we still see that from these players. I'm not saying we don't, but I just think the characters of the game are something that we do need to kind of buy into if we're going to find these narratives and these things to talk about. And yeah, it is interesting to know that two of those big characters are now leading teams. So we'll see how that unfolds. Our preview now, December 21, four-day test coming up. It will take us through to Christmas Eve. Play starts at 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time for us on the east coast of Australia. So that's good afternoon viewing for us in Australia, primetime slot. Last time these two sides met in a bilateral series was in December last year for a five T20 international series where we saw all kinds of records broken when it comes to Indian crowds, and I'm really hoping that continues for this multi-format series. Australia won four of those five matches by varying margins except for the second, which was tied and then determined by a super over to hand Australia their first loss in 2022, That was a huge moment for India and the crowds absolutely went wild. They loved it. If we're talking test matches, though, the last time these two sides met in the traditional format was back in 2021 here in Australia in a multi-format series up on the Gold Coast. It was a rain-affected match and it ended up ultimately drawn. So I don't think we saw the best of either team knowing that it was impacted and there were stoppages in play but we did see some highlights out of that match that I'm hoping we will see in this one to come as well with less rain expected to be around. Now from all reports particularly from Laura Jolly who works for cricket.com.au and is on the ground in India watching the team the Aussie side looked to be warming up very well. They played a 50 over warm-up match against a Mumbai women's 11 at the same stadium just a day or so ago, and that really gave the team a chance to acquaint themselves with the conditions they're expecting to play in. It's always hard to look at these warm-up matches and buy into them fully to get an insight into what we expect to come because the selectors and coaches like to trial a range of things and it's really hard to say, of course, like this is what we'll see because we know there could be some tweaks to come. But I did take a very big interest in the batting order. Now, Elisa Healy was batting in a game for the first time since she injured her finger during the um, WBBL season, which ended her campaign with the Sixers. So she did really well, 55 runs off 52 deliveries, and that is a really good sign for us knowing that she is heading into this India series now and she seems to be back in good nick. She didn't keep, but they are expecting her to keep in the real deal. Hopefully she gets through this one unscathed. She doesn't need another injury after the year she's had with all of those. But, yes, if we look at that batting order, we actually saw Phoebe Litchfield open with Beth Mooney. Then we saw Elise Perry, Talia McGrath, Healy coming in at number five, followed by an Annabelle Sutherland who went in before Ash Gardner, then Georgia Wareham and Jess Johnson. And it was only a 50 over match each side, so we didn't get to see the full Eleven and what order they were going to come in, but do you think this is a true reflection of what we're going to see in the test to come, Beamsy? Or as I've alluded to already, is it too hard to say knowing it is a warm up?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean we're ultimately guessing, right? Like I think there's there's so many factors a part of that, so that any player that might have a niggle might be going in a different in a different position. Like would Healy actually bat at five, or does she go into more of a traditional kind of seven eight as a as a keeper? Um, I think that I think the the top three is probably correct um, mm-hmm. that, that would be my thought I think they will go with the two left handers in Mooney and Litchfield and, and Perry at three and I think I think the way that technically those three batters go about um, their game I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all if, if that was the three I think what could happen after that uh, might be a, a little bit different I think the the bigger talking point is going to be how they kind of work out what bowlers they need, because I think mm. they've got any all-round options. So if Ash Gardner, um, Annabelle Sutherland, Elise Perry, they can all bowl. So Talia McGrath. So how do they actually, how can they go about selecting their bowlers for this team is, is probably going to be the the bigger talking point because with so many all-rounders, I think they can pick additional spin where does Lauren Cheadle sit? We know that she's come in for in the squad as well. So does that open the door for her to come into the team knowing you've already got overs? Like the the batting feels like you've, it's probably a little bit more settled on who, but the order we don't really know. But I think the bowling is is probably going to be the one where we, we could have three goes at writing down who we think and we probably still wouldn't get it right. I, th- I think that it's a tough one to, to kind of work out based on – what the conditions are going to be, and they may leave it quite late um, until they actually get to genuinely have a look at the wicket and and maybe understand what it might do.
0: Interesting times. So if it is that opening partnership of Beth Mooney and Phoebe Litchfield, we do know that Beth Mooney made 51 in this Walmart match, Phoebe Litchfield made 43, and they retired on an unbroken 101-run stand. So that is in a really good position to, to head in against India and try and do that again in the real deal. Um, Lauren Cheadle this would be a test debut for her if she is picked she apparently did quite well in this warm up match as well taking four wickets so what do you think she could offer the Australian team that they currently didn't already have in the squad
1: yeah I think it's the it's the left arm and I think what we've seen her also do through the WBBL is, is just have the ability to swing the ball but also can bowl some change ups as well and again, given we don't really know what the surface is going to do, like actually rolling your fingers across them and doing some different things could be really effective if the wicket is going to take turn. Um, So I think she gives that different angle, which might be really advantageous. And I think that what they've done quite a lot is they've, they've tried to pick those match winning kind of players. So who's somebody who's different that can come in. So, you know, a Taylor Vlamenic we've seen through the tests. Um we've seen Amanda Jade Wellington play in the test as well, Georgia Wareham. So they've we've seen them pick kind of that bowler that can be just that kind of X factor. So I think that she would be an, an X Factor option. Um, but there's already so many great medium paces within that team. Like Kim Gar swings the ball. So like you you know, you've got Darcy Brown's got pace, like there's there's all these little different kind of storylines. I, I think it'd be such a hard team to to select the the best eleven. Um just because you think I look at the the list of players and go they could all play different roles. So they could all play a role in helping Australia win this game. But it, we you just don't know what they want to go with. And I suppose that, you know, Elisa Healy's a, a new captain now as well. So she'll she'll have be able to have quite the say in in what she she thinks they might need on that surface.
0: It was already a tough choice between Kim Garth and Amigan Megan Shute during the Women's Ashes for that test, and we did see Kim Garth get her debut as a result of that. So, wow. I mean, I don't envy the selectors at any point, um, but, you know, even heading into this match, I think it's even more difficult, as you've pointed out, particularly in that bowling department. Okay, so in terms of predictions, do we think this will be a much closer test than we saw India play against England.
1: Yes, I think so. I think it'll be um, closer. I think that the the matchups that I think Australia have for, for some of the the Indian batters is really good. Um, I think, in particular, what we've got from a spin perspective, I think with. We know that Sophie Eccleston is incredible. I think Charlie Dean is a is a really good bowler as well. But I think the fact that we've got we've got two leg spinners in in this squad as well, as well as having Jonathan and as well as having Gardner, um, I, it feels like we've got some really good options as match ups. So I think that'll be really important as well. But I think we've also got some incredible Test batters um, in the Australian squad. Like at least Perry's made a double hundred in in Test cricket. Um, You know, I think that what Beth Mooney's been one of the most consistent batters in world cricket. So I think we've got some players that are, I think they've done, they've been incredible one day cricketers and long format cricketers who've turned themselves into really incredible T20 players. Um, Whereas I think for, for England, I think they've got some really incredible T20 cricketers that are maybe trying to find their way the other side. So. I think that might be a difference as well. So I think we've got some players who just be dying to try and bat for an entire day. Um, and having bowled a lot of balls to Elise Perry in the net, so she should be very happy to bat for a day and a half um, in a test match in India and think that that was pretty good. So um, I think it'll be a, a closer contest, but it's still not an easy thing to do to go to India and play on those conditions. So I don't, I don't think we can go into it going like, yeah, Australia are going to dominate the whole thing. I think playing in India is a really tough thing to do.
0: I cannot wait to see how this unfolds. It really is a blockbuster match on the international calendar. Beamsy, thank you so much for your insights. I'll see you after Christmas where we'll wrap all of the action of the Test match and look ahead to the ODIs. I just can't wait to see what happens because, as you mentioned, the subcontinent conditions are certainly tough to play on. So there's a big question mark about how this is going to go and that makes it really exciting for all cricket fans.
1: Yeah, I'm pumped to see where this gets to. I, I think it, starting with a test match is so exciting. So um, I hope that it's a I hope that it's a really great close test and it that'll just really kind of set the tone for the rest of the series because it's such an exciting thing to see that a test team's going to, to India. So can't wait.
0: All right, we'll have a great Chrissy to you, Beamsy, and to all our listeners. And we'll catch you after the test. Thanks, Britt. Merry Christmas, everyone.